now introducing Mr. Kawada himself, my dad. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, this is Quantum of History. I am your host, Donnie Waldron. Welcome into another episode of Fleming vs. Film. Today we're going to be talking about Moonraker, and my special guest today is Jay Sadowski. You guys know Jay Sadowski from James Bond Classified on IG. He is spectacular. He's always part of all the Bond events, and I always say he's one of the best, if not the greatest, uh, James Bond fan that I know. So I'm excited to have him. He's fantastic on this. He's a wealth of knowledge. He knows the books inside and out. He knows the movies inside and out. And this is a great topic. This was, you know, I, I, when I told people I was going to do Moonraker, most people were like, well, it's a slaughter. And you know what? It's a slaughter. But <laughs> it's still fun to, to debate. And it's still fun to talk about. And I like how I really enjoy how this episode came out. It's also been on YouTube. Uh, but I always like to put this on the podcast too, just because... I feel like this is always still just a podcast, but I like to put the visuals for the movie scenes and stuff like that on YouTube. I like to give that a chance to grow there and then from there put it on the podcast. But I'm really excited, so without further ado, let's get right into it. Fleming versus film Moonraker. Sadowski from James Bond Classified. I cannot tell you how excited I am to have you on. This is your first time coming on, and I can't believe you're not more plastered all over the things. I always <laughs> say, like, of all the people I've met in the James Bond community, the top two James Bond fans, I think, are you and Kyle Barbo. I think you two <laughs> are the top. If you want to talk about James Bond fans, you two are the, the top echelon, but I'm very excited to have you on. You are just a plethora of knowledge. You're such a cool guy to talk to. And uh, I am so excited. Welcome in Jay Sadowski, James Bond Bud. Wow, that was a great intro. I think I'm going to save that and have that every time I walk into a room. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually really excited to do these. I watched the last one you did with Luke. And I watched the one you did with David. And I um, subscribed to your podcast. So I'm a big fan. So I'm actually really <laughs> thrilled to be here. When you asked me at Gatherall to do this, I was like, yes, please. That, that's I can't tell you how honored I am because again, if you can get Jay Sadowski, who is I think the biggest James Bond fan, him and Kyle Barbell, it's very exciting. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited to do this. And I gave you not uh, maybe an easy one to see who decides, but maybe not an easy one to dive into. Today we're going to talk about Moonraker, and uh, I, I know I, your trivia Thursdays are always compelling. <laughs> So I'm very excited to see where you go with this because I think I, I, you know, I follow your page all the time and I always love the stuff you put up and, and your IG page is always top notch. And I think a lot of times you and I kind of think a lot alike about things. So I'm, you know, I'm interested to get into this topic and to see where we go from there. Uh, how many times have you watched Moonraker or read the books? Like, is it something that you dive into a lot? Is it one of your go-tos or how, what is your, what okay. was your thing before we go into the debate about each one? Okay, so this is probably not going to be very fair because I'm a gigantic fan of the novels. I always read them or mostly audio books when I'm driving. Um, and um, it probably isn't in my top 15. Um, so I think it's going to be meaning really novel heavy, but I just... I really love Moonraker the novel. I think because um, a lot of it, especially the beginning is my favorite part when he's in the office, because I work in an office, so it's like kind of relatable. Then the 
bridge game. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but it's just like, I just love that. It's like, it, it's, it's great. And the movie is fun, nostalgia, but we'll see where we go. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so yeah, I, I'm the same way. I think that when I look at the when I look at the novel, I love the novel so much, and when I look at the the film, I'm like, oof. <laughs> like, you know, uh, I had one of my good friends who was uh, I worked with back in in, in um, the department, and the first movie he ever watched recently, he was going back and they had it on Amazon Prime. He's like, oh, oh you know, what? I'm gonna watch these Bond movies. Like, which one did you see for the first time? He goes, Moonraker. I go, oh. <laughs> buddy you should have consulted me first before that's your first intro to uh, to bond i could have definitely guided you as your bond sherpa way better than to steer you to uh to moonraker but yes and but if i were to turn someone to the novel i don't think this is going to be a big secret it's going to be a huge disparity but if i were to put somebody to a novel i think moonraker would be the top one and i'd say hey what encompasses what i think a james bond novel should be and uh, I, I would I would say probably Moonwreck would be my top one because I think, just think it has everything. I think it has the plot, the pacing, the, the girl, the everything. I, I just love the novel so much. Um, I'm so right there I'm, exci- I'm excited to get into this. So let's start the debate. All right. <laughs> Round one, opening sequence. Opening sequence starts. Go ahead, dive into the plane sequence before we get into the, the novel one. Start with the film. What do you think about that opening sequence, Roger Moore? Um, okay, so we are talking the Astrojet, right? I watched the movie when we first talked about this a while ago. So I'm trying, I'm trying <laughs> yeah, so we got, we got the- Oh yeah, on, General, he, he, General on, Toro, yeah, okay. He's on the plane and then- Oh, that got, one, sorry, I was, I'm in the wrong pretense. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> he's, he's on the plane, they get into the- um, and then all of a sudden the fight and he jumps out yeah. and then Jaws is jumping out. He pops out of a bush somewhere on that small plane that nobody saw yeah, this yeah. eight foot guy with giant metal teeth. Nobody saw him. But anyway, so he comes <laughs> out and then the sun itself is cool. And then he's got the arm flaps. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I like the cutaway when he's on his last leg of the trip, you know, that that's pretty funny. Um, the stunt, the stunt amount of the plane is incredible. Yeah. And I remember how many jumps they had to do it, but, the more I knew about that, how many times they had to do it, you kind of watch it and like, okay, they did this, 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 now we're too low, now we pull the shoot, do it again, do it again, do it again. Um, I mean, and now the films are so clear with Blu-ray and all that, you can clearly see the stunt guys, but I mean, kind of who cares? I mean, um, that being said, if I'm gonna compare it with the beginning of a novel, but that's my favorite part of my favorite novel. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's really he much. also loses me on the flat thing. You know, that, that's my thing. It, it would be, it would be close. I think maybe if it wasn't for the flapping and the music, especially the music and, and he falls in the circus and become, and then even the spinning yeah. thing that he does, yes. it, it all becomes very, very cheesy um to me and it really does dampen an incredible stunt that took a lot of work and a lot of you know it takes balls to jump out of plane that many yeah. times with no parachute right and then you compare it to the fleming which they start off with the shooting range and they start off with leona ponsberry and i, I like the top where they just kind of go through 
talking about what Leona Ponsberry is or Leona Ponsonby. I don't know exactly. <laughs> I'm um, leaving it to you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but talking about life and duty and that you get to a certain age in that time, you either are married to the service, you're married to somebody else. And, and I really like how he goes into that. So before we get into the blades and stuff, talk about just kind of the setup where he, he says what his life and he's the best shooter in, in, uh, in the service and all this setup that kind of sets up what Bond is and what life is like in his little world at MI6. Yeah, I think part of the reason I like this part so much is that you don't get to find out his day-to-day -day stuff. You see him on a mission. You know, they tell you how much money he makes. They tell you, mm -hmm. you know, he wants to go have lunch. Um, he finds out from the uh, powder vine um, <laughs> from uh, Mary, um, I'm sorry, from Ponsonberry and Money Penny having the same, you know, shirt and everything. You know what I mean? Like all these little inside things that, you know, um, the double O, was it double O six? I'm trying to remember, you know, always recovering. And Bob's like, oh, that's great. But meanwhile, he knows that means like he's, you know, in a hospital and hopefully he's going to make it, you know, yeah. all these little day-to-day -day things that um, it's just a different side of Bond that you don't see. Like you don't see Bond in his apartment. I mean, his flat very often, you know, so when you hear, you know, him getting ready, getting a drink, you know, before he goes out and stuff like that, it's like all those little details. I just love the little details, I guess. Yeah, me too. And, and I like the point that he's kind of bored and, and he has, he's in between mission and the, the idle hands are killing him at the point. So uh, I, I think it's for me, again, it, it, would, it maybe would have been closer if it wasn't for the arm slapping and everything else. But for me, absolutely novel takes it. Jay, where are you going with? Okay, before I go, I got to say one thing in defense of the arm flapping. Okay. I remember I saw this movie with my dad. He took me to the uh, second movie we saw together and um, watching it for the first time. I mean, it was hysterical. Everyone enjoyed it. Everyone in the theater just enjoyed it and loved it. So for like the first time seeing it at that time, you know, in the 70s, it, it was perfect. It was what Bond was at the time. And um, it was great. But that being said, novel. <laughs> somebody, I had suggested to somebody about um, this Moonraker Fleming versus film. And they said, what are you going to start with? Just saying Fleming please done like, <laughs> i feel like maybe maybe this might end up like that but yeah absolutely in defense it is there's some things that you want to try to, to defend the film for but it's going to be novel yeah round two the plot is explained so we got the film spaceship is stolen plane crashes cena m's and the fact is the Moonraker is not in the plane crash. Go ahead and, and we'll, we'll talk about Fleming. Or, and then you look at the Fleming. It's a long backstory about Drax, how he came. He's in Edmund's office and there's this long exposition about uh, how important the rocket is to England. And they really make a big point in the Fleming novel how important this is. Um, so go ahead. We'll start, we'll start debating Fleming versus film on, the, on round two. Okay, so coming into the film for the office briefing scene, um, it seems like the one thing at the time didn't bother me, but the more I watched Roger Moore, he kind of is know-it-all, kind of pompous ass. It's like, <laughs> I can't imagine him having any friends. Everybody must talk about him behind his back. Yeah. You know, like, you know, he's a good agent, but God, he's kind of a douche sometimes. <laughs> Total um, one-upper. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and you know, the briefing scene, you know, it's a typical 
and briefing scene. Um, it's kind of a reach, I think, uh, like, oh, the, you know, the Moonraker stole and so Drax builds it, so I'm going to go to California. Like, yeah. okay, um, a little different. Um, I love, um, actually, M calling Bond up to his office in the novel. And when, you know, he's raking his brain, trying to remember what, you know, because M doesn't like any ums or errs, which I do all the time. He wants a clear, concise story. So he's telling <laughs> the history of Drax and, and M's clearly not impressed, but Bond's like, I'm going to go on with this because I admire this guy. His life has been incredible, you know, and he goes on and on and on. And then M goes, but he cheats at cards, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. and that's, that's like so cool. But I think yeah. that ends the chapter, like, and it's just, you know, yep. that's, you know, they do. They do on this long thing about how great he is, right? How great this thing is. And you don't get that in the film. You get very much, uh, he built the rocket. It's not longer there. He probably took it. I mean, it, you kind of <laughs> have to just kind of take the leap with the film. Uh, and it's not a huge leap. So I, I get what you, where you send them there. But when you compare that to the novel, and I love the, how they build up Drax. And I think they tried to do it a little bit in Die Another Day when they kind of tried to take the Moonraker story and make yeah. Drax into what they did. Mm -hmm. they, I mean, they didn't do it nearly what the novel did, but you do have this, you get this feeling where they're torn. Like we want to, we want to really experience this guy and, and give him the credit. He's done amazing things, but there's also something that you can't hide when you are a person who judges character for a life. Like your life depends on being able to assess someone's character and this one flaw, which is they make a big point about how important it is not to cheat at blades, but he, he cheats at cards. Yeah. And, it, and it's just, it's something that they can't look away from. And I absolutely love that. Fleming does it so many times in his novels. There's just something about this person I can't shake and I'm not going to shake it. And then for some reason, I got to keep investigating. Fleming does it beautifully for me. Hands down again, Fleming. How about you, Jay? Uh, <laughs> I, I have a feeling I could just put this on loop. <laughs> it's just really a debate if we agree all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I do think I think I think we could, I think we can give the film its justice for what it is, and you can appreciate it. But it's just the novel. I, I I'm the same. I just love this novel so much. But we're gonna get on to round three, meeting Drax. So film, it's at the mansion. You got the cucumber sandwich. You walk in, there's this long drawn thing. He's playing a piano. He, you know, he just, he just gave birth to um, Harris Thomas not long ago. So he, <laughs> he just put Harris Thomas down for a nap. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and Flem his, his little martini water bottle. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know harris thomas was actually born with a, that same beard so he actually he hasn't never had it's, a, never not it's had a great it. beard <laughs> um but yeah and then you compare that to fleming where he's just boisterous he's obnoxious he's kind of a blowhard he's at the card game and um bond only kind of like you've done all these great things but you're kind of you're kind of a douchebag to be around so Compare the two, what, how do you like, whether there's done or not, how do you like the presentation of Drax? It's funny how they went complete opposite because uh, I like Michael Lonsdale. Um, I think he's a great actor. I think he was good in what he did, but he did the polar opposite of how he is in the book. You know, he's very quiet, you know, economy of movements, doesn't say a lot of words and it's great in the film. I mean, he's 
fits that film perfectly. But Drax's boisterousness and you know uncouth and makes him more interesting a character, I think, because it's like, how does this guy get to be so rich and so popular, but he has like horrible manners? You know, he bites his nails, he sucks his thumb. Yeah. You know, um, get that like, gross red <laughs> red whatever. Yes. Yeah, the ogre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, uh, it just he's much more interesting in the novel. Yeah, I agree. You know, he he he, he kind of reminds me of you look at like an Italian restaurant owner for some reason. <laughs> you, ever, you ever like met someone who owns a restaurant and they all kind of have that same grandious, obnoxious, <laughs> like it's amazing you you built this restaurant and did all these things and you're so profitable, but you're kind of really <laughs> annoying to be around. But I get it, how you become successful. Yeah, it's funny though, because reading the book, it's like, I can picture him. I have a perfect yeah. vision of what he is supposed to look like, you know, the red hair, the bear, the beard, the mustache, you know, actually, I'm sorry, not beard, he has the sideburns and the mustache. And yep. yeah, it's just, it's, he paints such a great picture. He does. He does. I, I love it. And I love the, again, the juxtaposition, juxtaposition that Bond is having, having great admiration for the things he's accomplished, but then meeting him in his presence and being like, you're kind of a foul guy. And yeah. even, even the way that he cheats is very rudimentary. It's, yeah. They talk about how that, you look, he, 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 um, yeah, he, he may, um, he's getting away with it and he's pulling all his money, but if anybody was actually a real card player, they would have seen this in no time. This is just yeah. because this is an exclusive club that has prestige, not because you're amazing card players. Yeah. What he says, he says, uh, it's a shiner, got you, bastard. You know, wouldn't have lasted, <laughs> you know, one hour in a real game or whatever the exact line was. But yeah, I just love that. Absolutely. What did you like? Did you like the blades too? I I love that whole oh, uh, whole it, scene. It just, the I, whole I scene. love that they took their time with the detail too. When he takes oh. the Benzedrin, puts it in champagne. You know, he's M's like you're not gonna put pepper in that too. Like he just put in his <laughs> in the vodka. It's like I love the little things because we see all the big things in the movies. We see all the exciting stunts or whatever but like the little things like that like like what they had to eat you know i'm really interested when Fleming describes food only because it's different from back then but you know i'm like avocado with you know french sauce you know uh, i'm sorry with uh, french dressing i think put on it you know it's like that's interesting you know it's different things and it's uh it's really cool I, yeah yeah i absolutely yeah. love that scene i love the scene that it's it's about you're in the presence of people who move and shake the world and that they're they're all kind of got their own quirks and they've become fritch and they've become famous and they've become powerful but yet they still have all their flaws and when you get them a little drunk at blades in a cards game <laughs> you start to actually see those flaws come out for so for me again not really that close for me it's going to be a Fleming for me yeah i love the card game i love you know when bond cheats and he pulls that hidden deck out and uh, he starts to have a little bit of self-doubt, but then when it comes time to do it, his mind's clear. He's like, he knows exactly what he's doing, yep. puts every card down, you know, that's it. <laughs> you know, it's like, gotcha. you're falling right into it. Yep. I will tell us baby Harris from the movie, but I will go with a novel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, for me, I, I really don't like that. I don't like the presentation of Drax in the movie. Um, it just, it just misses for me. The piano, I, I get what they're trying to do. But especially when you look at when I do read the film, I read the novel, I think way, they way better. I, I like this yeah. version a lot better than the cucumber sandwich. Yeah. And then speeding four. up. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, and then the, the weird thing, I mean, I liked it with the dogs and making them wait for their food. But then 
can they just eat it? Like, did I have to speed yeah, the film yeah, up? Yeah, it is odd. It's so odd. It's Why do you... weird. It's like, yeah. it's like Martini eats fast, but it's not like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, and it's so obvious. I guess I guess it's supposed to really accentuate that they were dying for this and they had such discipline. Yeah. But it didn't, especially now when, you again, you look at the, the Blu-rays, so wonky looking. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't hold up well. Yeah. So, again, easy one. Three nothing already. <laughs> Fleming. It's already going to be, looks like it's going to be a clean sweep, but we'll see. Four, round four, the investigation. All right, so I'm going to break this into the film as the centrifuge and kind of Bond starts feeling around and starts pressing Drax a little bit, right? He's kind of putting the feeling out. So you've got, you know, the introduction of uh, Mary Goodhead or uh, Holly Goodhead and a woman a woman a, a woman <laughs> again doesn't age well <laughs> doesn't age well um but yeah so you start with that as opposed to the fleming you've got a double killing you've got a murder suicide you got scotland yard involved but the reason because it's so important to this nation this rocket so important normally this would be a scotland yard thing but because it's so important to national security we're going to bring mi6 in too uh, compare and contrast uh, this one, buddy. Okay, so this part of the movie is pretty good. Um, when he meets Holly Goodhead, that's good because they immediately have friction, you know, because yeah. she's not really thrilled with you know being a woman. Your powers of observation do you good, Mister Bond. <laughs> you know, um, this also we're talking includes him going and seeing the scientists, right, and finding out the mm. the little vial he put in his pocket. Mm, yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, when he finds out what's going on with that, which is pretty cool, because we're all trying to figure out, follow the plot and find out exactly what's going on as well as he is. And then when he goes into the centrifuge thing and it's going really fast and he looks really older and he's, hit, you know, yeah. and he's pulling back, like that, that's a cool scene. And I like, actually I love, it's one of Roger Moore's subtle, but really good acting when he like, she tries to help him and he like brushes her off. And yeah. he's like, just get away from me. Like, and you can see he's really shaking. Like, this is probably the first time we've seen, you know, Roger more sweaty and his hair is all disheveled and clearly, you know, has effect on him. And I think that's a really good part of the movie. Um, in the novel, I love when he goes to Scotland Yard and I think it's balance. He's waiting to see. And he's like, oh, he's going to not want to help me. He's like, this is not going to be cool. And then like balance is pretty much, please help, you know? And he's like, well, he wants me to be here, you know? Yeah. And so then he goes to, I think it's the world without want bar. Mm -hmm. um, it talks to the um, bar owner. He talks about, you know, uh, the guy shooting himself. And I love Gala Brandt. Is it Gala or Gala? I never know. Gala. Is it Gala? Okay, thank you. Yeah, like, you know how yeah. I found that? Because they just, they just spelled it again and uh, uh, with a mind to a kill, they mentioned her again. So I'm like, oh, I haven't got that far yet. I yeah. love that. I'm going to. I'm going so slow because it's after this book is done. It's like <laughs> I, it's going to be gone for you know a couple of years before another um, continuation novel. But yeah. um, but I digress. Um, and then like when he goes to his room and he and he busts into the file cabinet, you know, um, and he finds the mark on the chart and he's going out there looking out the window and. Uh, I think that's incredible. Um, yeah. The writing is just really cool. It's really investigating, you know? Yeah. 
I, I really like so I will say this is probably when the movie gets the probably the strongest for me it does get more into investigation the centrifuge thing is kind of cool for the time it doesn't really make any sense why you'd be like hey we're gonna put you in a centrifuge I'll be right BRB buddy like, <laughs> yeah exactly. it doesn't really, it's very convenient again I'll, I'll take the leap for the scene yeah. but uh, it does get to be very convenient but uh, when you compare it to the novel Scotland Yard gets involved and you're dealing in an agency and I'm sure back then and to this day there's a there can be a dick measuring contest between these well, interviews. You would know. <laughs> yeah, I know. And some people don't want to play it, but it's it was refreshing to see like, this is important. We can put, you know, egos aside, let's get this done. And it gets there and he's a detective. He's really just going, he's interviewing bars, tenders, he's going to places, he's understanding things, he's looking for things and and he sees the what was it, the glasses, I think, on the on the yeah, window yeah. And he thinks and then he he looks at it through his own mind, he pictures the scene playing out. Oh, this is why he he saw something he wasn't supposed to. And and the gears turn and you get to feel this all play out. Uh for me, it's just again, it's for me, it's a hands-down landslide for Fleming, even though the film does get stronger for me, right? When he's kind of doing this whole thing. How about for you, Jay? Yeah, well, what you said in the beginning, what you think you think we think a lot, a lot alike is uh, ringing true. Um, one other small detail I love in the novel is uh, when Drax asked him if he's like looked at the files yet, and he already has because he busted into the thing because he knows how to do it. He's like, I don't have the keys yet. You know, telling the truth, no one's handing me the keys, even though he already, you know, read every file in there and found out what was in there. I thought it was a cool thing, but novel. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. That being said, round five. Let's talk about the ladies of of. Uh, let's just leave it as the ladies. The ladies. So we've got uh, Gala Gala Brand, Kareem Defoe, Holly Goodhead. Film. Just you know, what, I we'll just go into each character and their strengths and weaknesses, and go from there. Go ahead, start it off. I think uh, Gala Bland, I mean, sorry, Gala Bland is a little bland. I mean, she's yeah. she's fine, but she could be anybody. Um, she, I mean, she fits the story perfectly, but she's not very fleshed out. Um, I'm not going to get to the end of the part, because I think we can talk about that at the very end of what happens with her in Bond, um, but it was kind of refreshingly different. Um, and this is the one I think I'm going to go with the movie, because... Uh, Corinne Dufour um, is stunning, and I really like her in the movie, and what happens to her is horrific with those yeah. dogs. I mean, it's truly, like, freaky. It's like, what movie? We were just in, like, you know, this fun <laughs> movie where we're shooting darts and, like, um, paintings, and now all of a sudden, she's getting mauled, and I've always had a soft spot for Dr. Goodhead, because I just think she's um, gorgeous, and yeah. she's a CIA agent. She's very capable. She's very smart. They always say like, oh, this Bond girl is Bond's equal, but she really is. I mean, mm -hmm. like like uh, Anya Triple X, it's the same kind of thing where they're trained agents, they're really smart, even though every now and then she turns into dams the like on Jaws with the, on top of the train car. But yeah, you know, it's a Bond movie, so Bond has to <laughs> yeah, absolutely i think I, I like the word they started with gala brand i like that she's from scotland yard i think that she's there to present there i like that her um the fact that she's so close and she's been working with drax for so long and he's she's really essential to the plot um because she's the, she's the one that ends up discovering the plot at the end 
And I, I like how they do it, but I think that as far as a personality, they don't, they don't, Fleming does a lot better job of fleshing out a lot of the other females or the relationship between Bond and Gala isn't quite as strong as they are in the film. Uh, again, Holly Goodhead, it's a good character. The name, I mean, speaks for it all. <laughs> no wonder he keeps going back. Uh, <laughs> Kareem Defoe too. She's very gorgeous and she's a good assistant and she does play her part in the film well. Meets a ridiculous demise. Which, again, we'll get into that in the next one. But um, but for me, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be close. All right, I'll tell you what. Go ahead. Are you doing Fleming or film for the, for the for the ladies? Film. Film. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna stick with Fleming. It's close. Right. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's it close. is. It's, it's yeah. I'm gonna say just because I like the idea of the Scotland Yard. She's a detective. I think that she's. I like the fact that she had the balls to go steal everything, and she kind of gets in there. And it's one concise character rather than two kind of pieced together. So for those reasons, I'm gonna justify my pick of staying with Fleming. Yeah, that's a good pick. Round six, Drax's attempts on Bond. All right, so the film he tries quite a few times to kill. You got you got the centrifuge where um, the henchman goes and tries to do it. You got yeah, you've got the jaws tries to kill him a couple times right from the beginning. You've got the pheasant hunt. You've got the killing of Kareem Defoe with the dogs, uh, and in the film in the in Fleming, it's the avalanche during the swim. Look, compare and contrast all the times that Drax tries to kill bond and it's unsuccessful one of the things in the roger moore era that always kind of start i just were weird were all the random attempts on his life that come out of like nowhere um and it's always kind of bothered me in a way um you know the the chain thing that was cool he was right there he goes to um research the flower i think is what he's looking for then out of nowhere all these boats come out after him yeah. And that scene is kind of silly again, because then Jaws goes over the waterfall and he's like, you know, just, oh, and he comes Water out. Coyote, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's perfect. And um, um, uh, what was the other one? I was... The canal. You've got the canal, too. Yeah, yeah. Not just the, the, not oh, just that's, the, yeah, that's the what boat. I want to say. Yeah. You got the boat. You got the double take pigeon. Yeah. So, you know, that, that part, like if they just had the guy pop out of the coffin, throw the knife. And Bond throws it back and kills him. That's very cool. Yeah. You know, that part's cool. Uh, then when he kicks in the thing and it has, goes a little faster, it's like, okay. Yeah. And when it goes on land, it's the stupidest fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Bond really was, I'm a, I'm a great double O spy. I'm going to go through St. Mark's Square where everybody can see me. Um, I'm sorry. That was um, the Fleming is awesome because it's like, you know, they go out there, they're walking. It's a beautiful day. It's late, I think September, but it's warm out. And Bond's like, you know, trying to figure out if a submarine could go there. He's like, I think, you know, it's going to be kind of cold, but I think I'm going to go out there and, and check this out. And she's like, really? Can, can we go for a swim? You know, he's like, yeah. yeah. So they go there. He steals a kiss. You know, it's all fine. Then they go drop to dry out. And he's just kind of looking up, you know, looking up. And then sees a little puff of smoke and an avalanche falls on him. Um, he digs them out. They both get sick. Their clothes are ripped. But at this point, there's no more sexiness because they are just beat, you know. Yep. Clean themselves off, go down to the restaurant, get some food. 
Um, are we going all the way back to the mansion with Bond in mm-hmm. this part? Yeah, okay. I love this too because you know they're hurting, but they're putting on a great show. Like, oh no, you know we didn't know. Like, you know it's gonna take us this long to get back from there. And they send you know Gala, Gail Gala, <laughs> back to her room. And then like right as the chapter ends, Bond's like one of the most um, you know unsettling things. But the table was only set for three, so they love weren't that. even planning on them coming. Love that. That's. I mean, you did a great job of laying it out. I love the fact that he's like the table was set for three. They knew that. Now you knew it was for him, and I love that scene because a lot of times Fleming does this again. When Bond lets his guard down and he's with a woman and he starts having fun himself, that's when things go awry because he's losing his senses. He's kind of lost in it. He's, and he, I think he's just a competitive guy, especially when it comes to women it's there's their conquest not meaningful pursuits right and (laughs) he's very much about he wants to win he wants he gets very insulted in other in other novels if someone doesn't pay him attention or some woman doesn't want him he's very offended he gets very mad about this and Fleming fleshes this out very much and the attempt on his life is a kind of outlandish with the avalanche but not so much that I have to be like this is ridiculous Puff of Smoke comes down, had him trapped. It was planned out, and you could have got away with it. Whereas you look at what the film does, it's very much pop out of a bush. Why is why is Bond even on the canal? What, what purpose are you? You're by yourself. Makes no sense. And why would you not just have somebody in one of the windows shoot him and call it a day? Why would you have somebody in a coffin pop out for the knife? Makes no sense. And then why, do you, why is he in this canal with a dual... <laughs> bland C. It doesn't even make any sense at all. The beginning with the with the jacks and, and jaws all of a sudden killing and the boat thing again. All of a sudden they're popping out of a bush with the boat. To every single one for me. It for me. I want one time. And even the pheasant hunt. He just goes ahead and, and kills the guy. And goes, did I? <laughs> yeah, you, Roger. You just killed somebody in a tree. Like, <laughs> hopefully he wasn't aiming at you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> did I? Like, it's too much. So for me, absolutely, hands down, Fleming. How about you? I'm going with the film. Just kidding, Fleming. <laughs> All right, number six or number seven. Plot revealed. So we got the, the film is at the cave, the big TV, Drax's exposition, and the plant is like replenishing Earth, repopulating Earth based in the image. I think it was kind of their way of subtly giving nod to what the Nazis were trying to do, even though he was doing it in his own different kind of way, almost, you know, oh, Aryan race. Good point. Yeah. Uh, and then Fleming, it was Garla finds the flight path in a notebook. And Krebs catches her, Garla figures out, and then all the while Bond is seeing that Drax is sewing off his silver. There's a whole bunch of weird things that Drax is doing in addition to all the other things that he knows. So let's talk about how the plot actually gets revealed. Okay. Um, in the it's so far-fetched. I mean, he wants to wipe out and, you know, create um, a whole new race. They're, you know, it's interesting when they're, him and Holly are in the uh, shuttle and they're looking at like Noah's Ark, you know, they came, you know, two by two, you know, to replenish the race and all that. The, the plot is pretty crazy. Um, in the book, this book, this freaking book, this, when she picks his pocket and 
does this whole thing. It's like, it makes me uneasy. Like, cause I know she's going to yeah. get caught cause I've read it so many times and it's like, <laughs> it works every single time. It's yeah. like, she tries to, she pickpockets them. They stop. He gets mad that he stops. She finds out what's going on, puts it in her glove, you know, goes back to the car and is about to put it back in there and Krebs snaps her arm, you know, gotcha. And, and it's just like, they beat her, you know, they, she doesn't say a word, you know, which yeah. is to her credit, which is great. But that scene, like that is a killer scene. Yeah. I love the buildup. I love the fact that she just goes for it and it does, it has a certain suspense to it. It's very, very good. Whereas the film is very much, Hey, we have this plant and for some reason we synthesized it. We can all of us for kill. We are so good at this. Only humans will die and we'll come back down. We'll be all good. It's a very odd, very wonky concept to me. Again, I think it, it does. I think it's their way of giving a nod to the Naziness of the of the of the book. But for me, it, it just doesn't doesn't jive. And I like that while Gala is doing her thing, Bond is you know getting information that he's selling silver. He's doing all these other things. The price of silver yeah. dropping because he's just selling it off. Weird things that it, that don't really make any sense. But what I love about the the movie more than the film about this is we don't fully know about not only the plot but the fact that Drax truly is this horrible person who's about to do a horrible thing the move the film very much goes that hey maybe there's something wrong that's going to get sabotaged right they're worried that this great rocket's going to be sabotaged and yeah we have things that were leading to the fact that Drax is a bad person but we don't have that smoking gun and they're still trying to maybe justify all the things they do or try to wash away the things that are wrong with tracks. And you don't know until that moment when Gala sees the flight path. And the revelation is that not only is he a bad guy, not only is he trying to he's trying to he's trying to kill millions of people. And, and I like the fact that we don't find out until then and we're trying to figure it out. And we have an idea that Drax is the bad guy, but it's not quite filled, spelled out right until the end what the plot was. And they make us guess. Whereas in the film, I'm sorry to be long-winded here, but in the no. film, very much, you know Drax is a bad guy the minute he meets him because he goes, make sure that some harm comes to him. The first, the first time. It is, it's a great line, but it, it already shows you, all right, we know that right. this is a bad guy. It's not that, hey, we have their suspicions, but we can't prove anything yet. We already know this guy is a bad guy. There's no, there's no mystery. There's no buildup. We're just going to make it very easy on the audience to know that he's a bad guy. We're in the, in Fleming. You've got to wait until the end. Right. Are we including the car chase in this part? Yeah, yeah we can, we can do okay. that. So what I think is really cool too, in that is that, you know, Bond's starting to, you know, put things together a little bit more and like, you know, you know, he's asking Valance, calls him at the restaurant because Gala doesn't show up. And uh, he's like, you know, she's like, no, she's not with friends. We don't know where she is. She should have got here at 4.30. You know, he's like, well, does, you know, traps have any places in the area? So he's already suspecting him. Yeah. You know, calls Blades, tails him from Blades to his apartment on uh, something street. Um, and then he sees him carrying Gala out to the car. And he's like, okay. And then he can see as he's following them that, you know, Krebs is in the front. 
you know, and he's like, there's no way you're going to carry a sick woman like a sack of potatoes and drive at speed away. So he goes, pretty much now it's on. He puts his goggles on, puts the windshield down, and he's ready to shoot the tires out. He goes for it. And that's where he, that's where he knows. He's like, why did I ever doubt myself? Like, from yeah. the first meeting, the next morning in the office after the card game, convinced himself he was a horrible person and kind of talked himself out of it. And then now he realizes, like, it's on at this point, which is yep. pretty cool. Yeah, I love I love that part. I just for me, and even the even the car chase. I don't. Is there a car chase in Moonraker at all? I, if there is, there's not standing out to me. I think maybe thoughts. that's what the gondola thing is supposed to be. Um, I guess there's. I don't think Bond even has a car in that one, does he? I, right. I mean, this is how forgettable this movie. I know. And I watched it like two weeks ago <laughs> in preparation for this, and I forgot the big title sequence. I mix it up with Octopus. Yeah, me too. I, and I like. I like how Fleming described driving a car because it, when you look at a 1950s car, it didn't, they were not easy to drive. You know, we look at power steering, we look at all these things now. We think, I was oh, thinking this is the same exact thing. There's nothing to it. Where in the 1950s, you had to have power to move things and you had to, the brakes, and there's only three gears and you had to be precise and all. There's not all this, there's, the, it took a lot to actually be able to drive a vehicle and drive it well. Yeah. In Bond's car, I forgot what year it was. I know when he gets the new one, it's like it's a 54 or something. So this is even older. Yep. And he's talking about how the Mercedes is so much sleeker and handles better. So he's as a beast, but you know, 90 in that must be going like, you know, 150 for us or something, you know, maybe not. Can you, even. Imagine, can you imagine what it would like to be? And they're all made out of those cast iron. There's no lightweight yeah. metals. So when you take a turn, you've got all that momentum of those heavy cars. So it's... Um, it, we think about it now we've all driven 90 down a highway and we're like yeah okay i'm sure back then when you see you know what it was and what it was like to drive one of those tanks that fast yeah it took it took actual skill and that's why he always admired people who could drive more um but yeah for all those reasons i think another easy hands down for me fleming yeah fleming for me as well all right where you've got six to one Fleming to film. I'm going seven, nothing on the film, but we'll see. We got, we got a couple more. Number eight, the final attempt on Bond's life. So in the film, in the Moonraker, under the Moonraker, again, they cut them up. They're ready to kind of the same thing, trying to burn them up under, under the thing. And in Fleming, he's underneath, but he uses the lighter. He, he, he gets the guy mad. And it's so funny. I don't know if you guys have, I don't, I probably don't have too many Stranger Things film movie buffs, but Stranger Things did this exact same thing. Oh, no way. Uh, yeah. And, and, and do you ever watch Stranger Things? No. It's a pretty good show on Netflix. But um, the way that one of the persons gets out of a predicament that he's in, is to do the exact same thing that Bond did. Get get the guard pissed at you and then get the lighter. So it's interesting that even Fleming to this day is still influencing mainstream things that come out in 2022. Yeah. That um that scene where he purposely gets him mad, you know, Drax gives him his big history, you know, and tells him like all about the werewolves and what he did, which is a great story, by the way, of how he was yeah. wearing the wrong uniform and got caught in his own bomb. Um which is great and then yeah, like so you know, yeah and then bonds like trapped they're trying to figure out what to do sees that the um parfait um not the lighter what's it called the you know i mean there's a lighter there and then the thing he lights for the torture yeah 
I forgot what it was called, sorry. Um, but he, you know, knows that's there. So he wants to piss him off. So after Drac gives him the whole story, he's like, what do you think? What do you think? And Von just looks at him and says, well, it's a perfect case history, you know, you know, psychotic, you know, crazy, you know, he gets him so mad. He calls him like a big red face, hairy orange or something. <laughs> so he said, so he just beats the crap out of Von, you know, and then, then he walks out and Von's like, it's okay. You know, had to get him mad, you know, you know, I got a plan. London's going to be safe. You know, yep. I love that. And he, you know, that, that's very cool. Yep. I like, it. I love that too. And like I say, it's so good that even shows in 2022 are literally, when I say it's, it's, it is exactly what, what it is. So it's, I'm checking it's, it out. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, but yeah, for me, and I, and I think that it is, it is kind of cool the way they do it in the movie, but they don't give it the justice or the suspense. They don't let that moment build up. It's, in the in the in the in the novel it's such a it's such a buildup it's so much intensity and you've got somebody that there's a countdown there's a rocket there's all those things and they just kind of go all right we're out and we're moving on and they they don't capture the suspense that could have been of that scene um so for me no surprise <laughs> fleming for me yeah i mean bond and holly you know knocking out pilots and going up in the space and that's no space that's okay i think i saw that in star wars that's no space <laughs> station as opposed to you know bond running along the gantry has the gyro settings changes the gyros runs back they hide where they already you know were shooting the steam to burn them in there and it's just it's incomparable i mean it's gotta yeah. be novel. I mean, yeah there the, is absolutely no it, it's a great point they hide from the steam you get the buildup of the steam coming in. You hear the, he talks about how the voices underneath, they know they're about to deal with pain. Yeah. We've made it up here. Look, it's going to hurt. We're going to have to deal with stuff. And, and they don't even know how they're going to deal with it. And then they hear the, yeah. And they know pain is coming. Um, yeah. It, it's not even close. It's not even comparable. Definitely Fleming. Brings us to point number nine, round number nine, the Moonraker launch. So in the film, the spaceships and you got all these, I think it's 13 go up and they go yeah. up in the space and there's a space station and, and all that, they go in there. And in the, I thought it was an interesting, Fleming has Bond listening to the radio as the Moonraker launches, right? So let's compare and contrast the, the presentation of that. And I'll, I'll let you begin as, as, as always, Jay. Okay. Um, well, I mean, the film, you know, if you're like, at the time, everyone was into Star Wars, so you know, it was cool. It was outlandish for Bond to be there, but you know the effects are fine. Um, they're going, you know, into the space station, not knowing what exactly what's going on. They're waiting for the automatic lock to take them in, you know, and uh, and they go there, and that, that's fine. But the novel, I mean, we're gonna keep saying it's so much better because it is. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he, he, you know, grabs the lighter thing, you know, starts it up burns the binds off her they both you know he takes a shower gets some whiskey pours her some whiskey you know and he, his plan is to go under there and light you know a cigarette and blow the whole thing up and that's when you know she says the whole thing about the gyros so they uh where they cram soap in their ears right <laughs> go in the shower because that'll protect them. <laughs> but um but i like that part much better than yeah. than the space yeah, I agree. When all of a sudden they're, when all of a sudden he jumps in and he's piloting it, and 
it yeah. just it's it's you you've you've now gotten you know jumping the shark territory yeah i mean any in this whole i'm sorry i'm gonna cut you off but like the whole luke your targeting computer shut off you know when he goes manual to shoot the thing it's, it's the same thing from star wars it's like yeah you know, I was waiting for Han Solo to come and shoot somebody from behind him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So for me, and I'm sure for your sentiments, the the actual movie, and I just I actually, you know, I, I don't know if we discussed the, the launch enough with the with the novel, just because it really is an interesting idea to have you have listen. You're letting the events take fold. There's no TV. There's no live stream. There's nothing. You're literally list, reading as Bond thinks about listening to the broadcast all in the same thing so for me i love that and i love the way that he does it not just bond's not looking at bond's not looking at it himself from the thing he's not a, he's listening to the radio of somebody else's perspective who doesn't even know what's going on as a third party and is seeing this all go awry for the first time and thinking my god what's going on like all this uh for me interesting amazing absolutely love this uh so yeah hands down uh, Fleming, final one. Let's see. I, I've got I've got nine nothing. You've got <laughs> eight to one. Let's see if uh, the film can end strong versus uh, Fleming. So, round ten, the ending. You you've got the ending. Where, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, the ending again. You just kind of touched on it a little bit there with the. Uh, yeah manual I, I didn't really watch star wars too much so but yeah i, okay. I can definitely was the, I, I kind of vaguely remember the call where luke has to shoot like he is back on whatever tatooine or whatever um yeah yeah exactly yeah i know any star wars fans right now are like shut up Don. <laughs> <I know, laughs> the thought of even butchering this but um but yeah it, and it, it is the ending of the more build up whereas uh the the Fleming, the atomic warhead lands on Drax, and that's the end of it. And there's this big cover up. And kind of go back and forth about what you think about the endings. Okay, so in the movie, um, you know, it's it's exciting. You know, you're in, you're watching the movie. You know, and you, you know, he has to shoot that last, you know, drone satellite thing, whatever that you want to call it. You know, and they, they attempt re-entry into, you know, Earth. I know, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, I mean, it's cool when he does his little dart thing and kills Drax before that. You know, Jaws helps him, which, uh, whatever. Um, it's a Roger Moore 70s movie. Roger Moore, we owe everything to because we wouldn't have Daniel Craig, Nat, well, whoever's going to be next. But if Roger Moore didn't carry Bond through those years, so I have a lot of nostalgia for that. But it's hard to compare something that's so realistic and good to something that's so far-fetched. Um, the whole bond in the bed at the end is fine, you know, like um, all the movies, like when he's with Kissy after the volcano. But just when it gets a voyeurism when when they're watching them, you know what I mean? And like I think yeah. it's time to reentry. It's hilarious. But yeah, that then is you got the, of all the innuendo ending, I will say yeah. that is that is probably the funniest. Only, yes, without it. Christmas, doubt. I thought Christmas only comes once, and oh, he's attempting right. Those are the, those are the two. Right. Me, those are the two winners for me. But I'll let you keep going. Yeah. So, and you compare that with the novel, where they said they're in the shower, they have the the soap cran in there, doing everything they can to survive. Rocket takes off, like you said, they're listening. Oh, before um, the rocket takes off, and Drax does his speech. 
and he's saying everybody yeah. your lives are gonna be changed after this you know yeah. um i think some drastically you know we're gonna drive a you know a stake to the heart or whatever he says but it's like it's like not knowing like, and the guy's kind of uneasy like that's there some interesting remarks and now sir hugo's taking off you know you yeah. know russian sub like what's going on <laughs> you know and they like you said they listen to the radio which is very cool watching it play out and uh it hits tracks perfectly but i guess it, that size bomb you could be anywhere like they kill the announcer guy that was doing it on the ship because they said how the ship comes got clearly knocked out of the water um, the only part about that that's kind of dumb is, you know, oh, no, it's one of those clean atomic bombs or radiation. It's just going to go towards <laughs> us. Right? We'll be fine. Um, yeah, they definitely brush off any kind of environmental yeah, impact. That, yeah, the, exactly. the nuclear bomb. We're, we'll be good. We won't fish there for a couple of years. It'll be fine. <laughs> and one thing I love, oh, love, I mean, it's a love fest for the novel anyway, but, you know, he and gives him his guns when he gets back to the office because he lost them in the car crash he's going he gives him time off because you did great bond he goes to see gala and uh, he's expecting to take her to some you know french restaurant he's getting his car delivered there and then she comes over and he sees it sees it immediately like something's not right like like and she's like oh that's you know my fiance we're getting married tomorrow which conveniently works out because if, if something else happened with her launch i mean she missed her <laughs> wedding but um so you know and bond's like oh he's like broken hearted but he's like I got to play the part she expects me to play, which is the tough double A, double O agent, you know, that doesn't care. And he's like, well, I'm very jealous, you know, have a great time kind of thing. And he goes off alone, you know, yeah. and that's different and that's cool. And it's not as funny as re-entry, but I think it's much better. Well, I do. I think because that's, that would be a lot of times reality. I'm sure that happens a lot. You're on a mission with person. Again, you're, it's, you're removed. There's no cell phones. There's really no easy convenience. You're away from you and this person have this new world that you're creating in those little time together that you're working together and you come back to reality and you have to kind of face that she's got her own life at home. And, and I'm sure that a lot of times that ends up a disappointment for a lot of people. I'm sure for both. Uh, I just, I love it. I love the ending. And with the film, Again, you, it's it's like you look at some things that were great for the time and you appreciate them, but are they timeless? Do they last long? I think for me, the ending, it's, it's timeless. The novel is timeless. Everything about it, the story, the plot, the, the thing is timeless. And the Moonraker was very of the time and certainly does not hold weight as it carries on. Uh, I can appreciate it. I can, I can, it's not, it's not, a view to a kill to me, but it's definitely not, you know, a view to a kill. I don't even want to, I, I don't even want to get into that movie, but uh, for me, w without a doubt, it's going to be 10, it's going to be 10, nothing for me for the film. Uh, and I'm, I'm assuming you're going nine to one. Yeah. Novel for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Do you, do you have any final thoughts about just encompassing what the novel means to you versus what the film means to you and just encompassing what your final thoughts are about the two? Yeah, well, I think I kind of said it early, is just that the novel, I just love the novel. I mm. It's one of my favorite ones to go back to. And um, there's just so much in there. Like I said, the, the attention to detail, I guess, is really cool. The plot is great. I, how it unravels, Drax's backstory, um, it's so much more interesting. Um, the movie is a product of its time, you know, and I remember when I, my dad, I loved it, enjoyed it. Roger Moore was my favorite font at that time. Um, like you said, though, they don't, it doesn't really age as well. Um, 
I'm sure bell bottoms were cool in the seventies, but look, I'm not trying to put those on anymore. You know what I mean? I'm sure disco was awesome back in the time, but we, it can die with the seventies. Yeah. Moonraker kind of the same idea. It was, I'm sure it was great for the time, but it can stay in the seventies for me. Yeah. I know it's Calvin Dyson's favorite, um, but it's not mine. <laughs> yeah. I, I always say that I feel that the Brits have much when I, talk to or converse or or you know dm or talk to anybody from england they much they have much more reverence for roger moore than americans do i i don't think that he translates well to us at all i don't know what they i think the only one is matt spazer i think that i've heard that yeah. roger moore is their favorite other than that again matt spazer i think spazer's is a unique realm himself uh so i just don't think he ever translates well for an american audience he didn't translate for me especially because i i I found Bond early in life, but I really loved Bond later in life. So to try to go back and try to recapture any kind of yeah. deference that I have for the enjoyment I had when I was young, I, it's not there. So the fact that I have it on the first viewing as I'm older, it doesn't stand up. Whereas I read the book for the first time and I, I read, when I started reading the novels, I was in my thirties for the first time and I just gravitated to this. I loved it. It was just I was I, I wish I would have read the novels before I read the books because for me the novels are almost more enjoyable for me to to experience again than, than the film. So and Moonraker it just encompasses everything that I love about Fleming. So for me, my final thoughts are just if if you have never read a Fleming book or if you've only read a couple, read them all and Moonraker stands out for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm older than you. So uh, when I was a kid watching Bond movies, I thought Roger Moore was super cool, very awesome. Um, but, you know, by the time A View to a Kill, um, View to a Kill? Yeah, View to a Kill came out. I was like, I could not wait. And then <laughs> Timothy Dalton came in. I was like, finally, you know, we're going to Fleming. Because I, my first, I got from Rush with Love, my dad gave to me paperback. You know, and oh, really? from that moment on, like, I just loved the books. And I was a kid, I don't know, it was like, I don't know how, 12 or something. And I just, you know, some of the stuff I didn't get till I was older, but I just always loved the books, always went after the books. And um, I just, I love them. It's just, it's yeah, a That's a great, that's like, a great one. I don't ever listen to music on my car if I'm not listening to a podcast, your podcast, because I'm listening to <laughs> MP3. Oh, geez. Oh, shucks, Jay. <laughs> Well, Jay, like I said, this has been an absolute honor. Thank you so much for doing this. I've always been such a fan of all the stuff you do. Uh, everything Bond, you're, you're an encyclopedia of Bond knowledge, and I love your Instagram page, James Watt Classified. I wear your shirt. I was lucky enough to get one of your shirts. We still wear it all the time. Uh, so thank you again for doing this. We have to do this many more times. I need I need more Jay. I need more <laughs> Jay Sadowski on my, on my channel. Um, but yeah, thank absolutely. So thank you so much for doing this, Jay. I, I can't thank you enough. Thanks so much. It's been awesome. Thank you very much. <laughs> Enjoy that Heineken. Mm. And, uh, so thank you again, guys. Everything. Until next time, uh, Fleming versus Film. This has been Jay Sadowski. It has been an absolute slaughter. Uh, we'll see if there's any more slaughters coming up. Thank you again. Until next time. If you like what you saw, then hit that subscribe button. Comment down below. And leave a like. And, then, and hit that subscribe button. Why are you not hitting that subscribe button?